So I was sitting there. I was like, all right, Lord. Well, obviously, I know right now that I have a message inside of me that I could talk on God's faithfulness. I mean, I have seen his hand move so many times, and I know that God is faithful to his people. The ones that truly serve him and obey him, I mean, I was pulling out stories all through the Bible of just showing God's faithfulness through generation to generation. And so I was sitting there praying about that. I started writing down all those notes. And then the Lord prompted me on something for Lisa Biles. We have a Kingdom Institute class coming up, and we're getting ready to start their third year. They're wrapping up their Bible school for what they've gone through. It's been three years. Well, I get to start this class called The Lord's Harvest. Love this class. And it's talking about kingdom evangelism. And so this message, whenever I was in school, this really hit me hard. And so I was like, you know what? That's what we're going to do, Lord. And so he said, you give them that message. So I got this message for you this morning. And what I titled it is called, It's Not About Me. And so the message this morning is not about me. I look around. Obviously, we can sometimes get in this mindset of, well, what about me? But we're going to see through the Bible that God never designed it to be about us. And so we're going to look in here, but I want us to walk away with seeing people the way that God sees them. Because especially in this day and age, I mean, we can run into so many problems where people will get stuck focusing on themselves and never look around to see the need of another. Because, I mean, we can look and see our bill list, look at all the financial needs that we have, health needs, anything, and we can get so focused on God help me with this, that our attention never becomes, Lord, I pray for such and such, that you bless them or that they are healed. Because really where the true power comes from is when we take our eyes off of ourselves and start looking around at others' needs and saying, all right, Lord, I want to hook up with them and believe God for this. Or, Lord, I pray for them this morning that they will have a great day, that, Father, Lord, whatever stress is coming on them, I pray that you are the peace giver, that you relieve them of that stress. They cast all their cares on you because you care for them. And so we're going to look through the Bible this morning and see all these different things where God was saying, it's not about you. It's about others' needs. So the first scripture I want to go to this morning is in uh, Mark chapter 16. And I'm just going to pull some things out, but we're going to go to Mark chapter 16. I hope you brought your Bible because we're going to look at some powerful stuff. And we all know this chapter of Scripture because obviously if somebody's going to give you some instructions right before they go, you might want to listen up, right? And so this is one of Jesus' last things that he spoke to his disciples in Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will, they will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. And so a couple of things out of the scripture really pulled out to me, starting with verse 15. It said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so whenever we're starting to think about this first verse that he's speaking to them, The first thing that he says to them is go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Well, if it was just about them, they would never have to be sent out. Because so many times we get so focused on, Lord, my needs, my things, I want to be focused on. But he's telling them the last little instructions for them. He said, I'm sending you out to go do the work that I have done now. You're going to go do in my place. And so he is now telling them it's about others' lives. It's about others' needs now. 
And so he gives them the power to go and lay hands on the sick. Well, obviously, if you're sick, you can believe God for healing for yourself. But going to lay hands on the sick, he's referring to them saying, you go find somebody in need. If somebody's in sick and they can believe that I can heal them in Jesus' name, you go lay hands on them and they will receive their healing. And so he's speaking to his disciples, letting them know, listen, you will go out and proclaim my gospel. Well, obviously, we're going to see here in just a second what gospel he was speaking of. But I want to go over to um, Romans chapter 5. Go ahead and turn there. But the biggest problem we face in today's society, obviously, is there's so many people that have their own opinion on people. Some people are great people, person. Some people are not. That's why we have some people at the door greeting people, and some people are behind the scenes. It just kind of happens. But the biggest thing about it is we will get stuck sometimes with a view on certain people or certain individuals that we only see them as they are right now. We never look beyond where they're at right now to see the potential of where they could be. Because, see, when Jesus came to the earth, he never came looking at us as where we're at right now. He knew where we were at. We were lost in sin. But the thing about it is he knew if I continue my course and do my purpose, I know where they could be if they chose me. And so for us, we don't want to get stuck with this mindset of only seeing people where they're at today. Because we know that there is potential, stored up potential inside of them of what somebody could be. I mean, especially whenever I'm teaching the kids on the other side, man, there's so much potential just waiting to be tapped on that other side. I mean, there's, those children are the smartest kids I've ever met and some of the funniest kids. And the biggest thing is I look at them, and whenever, we, especially whenever you're teaching children, you're not looking at them of where they're at right now because you know you will grow up one day to be something great. And I get to invest in you right now to be able to set that foundation of God's word. So whenever trials of life come, because we know the story of the two houses, one was built on sand and one was built on a rock. The trials of life came to both of them. The storms and the waves came, but it was the one that was founded on the rock that stood. Well, for us, we've always said this from the very beginning, is that as children's pastors and as a children's team, we are building a foundation for them to build their life upon. That even at a very young age, I mean, six weeks old is the earliest we'll take them. At that age, we have teachers in there that are holding them, telling them that they are blessed, that they are a child of God, that they have purpose that God has assigned them. And that's the biggest thing is once we lose sight of somebody has a purpose and that they have been destined for greatness, you'll never invest in them. You'll just think, oh, okay, it's just another person. But when we see that they have so much potential inside, it drives you to say, what can I do to help you pull that out? That's why I love Pastor Mark and Ashley because they've said it from the very beginning. And even if you've gone through Vision Partnership, they are here to help pull out the gifts that God has given us. I mean, especially for me and my wife. There's been things that have been pulled out of us that I said, I didn't even know it was there. No idea. Back, back four years ago, me standing up on stage singing and actually leading worship in the front and actually you saying, oh, hey, I need you to lead these songs. That would have never happened. But the thing about it is as I continue to let God use me and continue to grow, certain things start coming out. I say, Lord, I didn't even know that was there, but it's to your glory that I'm doing this. It's all because of you. So for us, we want to continue to recognize that every person has a destiny. Every single person that was born on this earth, God has already given them a plan and a purpose. And even in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I've given them a plan and a purpose that is of good stuff. It's not bad stuff. 
He said it's a plan that will actually drive you forward. And so for us, we want to continue to recognize that people's lives matter. No matter who they are, what color they are, how big they are, how small they are, how old, young, it doesn't matter. God has given them a purpose. And that's one thing that I love. And my grandparents are in their 80s. Papa Ivan is now 83. 83. And I love talking to him now because for once in his life, he's finally realizing that God's not done with him yet. And that he's realizing that even at his age, whenever everybody thinks, okay, I'm getting to the end of my life, he, real, he realizes that I still have purpose left to do. And, I mean, he rides his bike like three miles a day now, every morning. He is in the greatest shape because he said, I can't sit around. I've watched too many people just sit around and do nothing, and they end up dying way too young. He said, I got stuff to do. And they, they got these new great-grandbabies that are keeping them running all over the place. But he said, I can go up, and the other day I got a phone call, and they said, hey, your grandpa is such a blessing. They said, he came up to the church and just helped us clean the whole kitchen. And they said he was able to come up and serve, and then they did a huge outreach over the Christmas, and they were wrapping boxes for their float. And so he went up there and helped them wrap all the boxes. And my grandma was there assisting him. I said, that's awesome. I said, I love it that they finally realized that God's not done with them yet, and God's just getting started with all of us. I mean, even if we've been on this earth for quite a time, he's still got a great purpose assigned for us. And so especially in this day and age. But we're going to go over to um, Romans 5.8. And it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was not looking at us as the person we were when we were sinners. He said they have so much great potential inside of them that I want them to continue to live on until eternity. He said, I'm looking past where they are today into who they could become. And so then we're going to go over to, um, let's go to Matthew. Showing you a couple things in scripture. Matthew chapter 9. Because the, big, the biggest thing, and this is where I love where the church is at right now, this church is because Pastor Mark's ministering on generosity. And he said multiple times, could you be able to bless someone else even while you're waiting on the blessing yourself? And that, that really hit home, and you had to stop and think of just putting it in everyday thinking. If I still have not paid my rent, and I'm still waiting on the blessing to come to be able to do that, could I take care of someone else's need that I could do? You, all of a sudden you find out that a family does not have food. Could you bless them with the food that they need even while you're waiting on your own blessing? Because it's, it's switching that mind. And that's what's so hard about this society right now. It's, it's so selfish-minded. It's all about me. That's why we have the iPhone, the iPad. It's all I, me. I have all of them, but it's, it's true. It's what it is. It's about helping me. But God never designed it to be that way. Whenever he came to this earth, he sent his son, and I love how he came because obviously we know Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But when he first came, he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve others. And he said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, be the servant of all. Well, that is taking the mindset of it is not about me. And I was even studying out for um, an event we have coming up, just the difference between a slave and a servant. Because a slave is forced to do an action. 
but a servant does it by its own choice. A servant says, I freely do this because I love that person. But a slave is forced to no matter what their will is. Well, Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, be the servant of all. Don't be the slave of all. Be the servant. You want to freely choose to serve someone else out of your own heart. So in Matthew, I love this scripture here. It's in Matthew chapter uh, 9, verse 35 and 36. And it says, Jesus is going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the, ki- the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dis- uh, spirited like sheep without a shepherd. But in verse 20, or 36, it says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. And compassion is a deep awareness of the sufferings of another compelled with the wish to relieve it. It's a deep awareness of the suffering of someone else, but they want to relieve that pressure, relieve that suffering. Well, so many times, especially in our society right now, is we don't feel compassion for another person. We have sympathy for them. And sympathy is really just the fact or power of sharing the feelings of another, especially in sorrow or trouble, feeling for them. The difference between those two is one says, I understand what you're going through. I'm sorry. That's great. Sometimes people need to be comforted. But compassion says, I know what you're going through right now, but I have the answer for you. And especially as believers, we have that answer. We have the answer that the entire world's looking for right now, and it is the kingdom of God. Because only Jesus can heal those hurt hearts. He, can, he is the one that mends them. It's only the kingdom of God that can bring restoration to marriages that are falling apart. They've tried it in the world. They've tried their own systems and everything else, and they all failed. Because only God can do what man always wanted, and that's to have the greatest life. And in his kingdom, we have that life. But the biggest thing is, in Christ, he was compelled with compassion. Every time he saw a need, he said, I know what you're going through. I know what's happening right there, but I have the answer. That's why when people, sick people would come over to him, they'd say, <laughs> I, I laugh. Blind guy comes up to him and he said, what do you want? Well, you'd think it'd be easy. I want to see. He asked him, though. He said, what do you want? He said, Lord, I would like to see. They had some lepers come. What do you want? What do you need? And so every single time he had the answer for them because he was listening to the spirit of God and obeying. Every time God did something through Jesus, it was always led by the spirit. That's why whenever he went to certain places, especially his hometown, he wasn't able to heal everyone because everyone wasn't really willing to be healed. They were just going to look for something. They said, I just want to see a sign. I just want to see what this guy's about. But there were some that he said, you know what? You go heal them because they truly believe that you can. You truly believe that Jesus can restore stuff. And so for us, I mean, God has always been mindful about mankind. I mean, from the very, very beginning, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, it starts there. And you know what? Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go to Genesis 1. Verse number 26. I love this verse. I go here almost every time. But it's the very start. So we go to Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, 
and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the skies and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 says, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And so from the very beginning, God had this mindset and this um, awareness for mankind. He wanted to have that unity between man and God. And so even if we continue to read on, it talks about he walked in the garden with Adam. He was in communion with man the entire time. But the thing about it is once man sinned, sin entered the earth and separated that communion. They were no longer allowed because God cannot be around sinful stuff. The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in sin, period. And so when God finally looked at it, he could have said, they screwed up, we're done. Forget all this, burn it all, we'll start over again. But instead, the moment they sinned, he started the plan. He said, I will send my seed and my seed will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. Well, obviously, I don't know about you, but I would rather have a bruised heel than a crushed head. Head injuries are really bad. Don't want those. But <clears throat> the thing about it is he was speaking to the serpent, and he was letting him know, I have a plan in place that I will restore man back to where I originally had them. I will have that fellowship with them. And so if God has this mindset of bringing man back to where it once was, then we have to think, Obviously, how does he see people? Because for us to get the same glimpse he has, we have to recognize how much he loves people. And so going through, I mean, there's multiple scriptures that we can pull out about his deep awareness for humanity. I mean, he cares so much about us. It says that over um, over in Matthew chapter 10, 30, it says, but every hair on your head all has a number. Obviously, for some of us, it's a whole lot easier to keep track. But for others, it might be a little more. But the thing about it is God cares so much about us that it says every thought that he thinks is so numerous for us that if he cares so much about each individual person that he even knows us by name and wants to spend time with us, how much more should we have this compassion to go and reach the people that are lost in this city? Especially about, I mean, it was probably a week ago, I was sitting there, and I was just praying, spending time with the Lord, driving around on my lunch break, and there was a guy sitting on the side of the road in a wheelchair holding up a sign, anything helps. It was really hot. And so I went over to him, and I just stopped. Normally, I just keep going unless the Lord tells me otherwise. But this time, he said, you know what? Stop. Go spend time. So I stopped. I went over to him. All I had was a dollar on him. I said, hey, man, I only have a dollar. I said, but how are you on liquid? I said, do you have a drink? And he had a big drink with him. He goes, yes, I just got one. I said, are you sure? Do you need something else? I said, how is your day going? Are you doing all right? Do you need anything? And that blew him away that somebody was willing to stop what they were doing and just go find out how are you as a person. Because even though you're sitting, and I mean, you could tell this guy's had a rough life. I mean, he was very skinny. He had bones sticking out of his shirt. I mean, you could tell it was bad. But for me, just taking that time with him, he recognized that. I'm still human. Somebody still cares enough to come and ask me, how am I? Do I have enough drink? I mean, what's going on? But for us, it shouldn't be such a scarce occasion that that happens because every person has a purpose. That guy could change his life around, get things going again, and have a great purpose assigned to him. That God could still say, I can use you tomorrow. I can use you right now. 
But the biggest thing about it is so many times we look over and say, oh, they're just like everybody else. We don't need to talk to them. But that's where our mind has to change because especially of this new series that Pastor Mark's in and where the church is going, we have to realize that it is not about me. It is not about myself. That whenever we follow after God over in Matthew um, chapter 6, I love the story about do not worry. And it covers, I believe, 24 through 34. But he talks about, it goes through the grass of the field, the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. And he says, how much more do you think your heavenly father wants to take care of you? God's got us covered, guys. And you have to realize that. And you have to trust in that, that when we serve God and we do his purpose that he has assigned to us, God has us covered. That there is nothing that we should ever go without. I mean, we've seen it so many times, especially through our family and then also my extended family, of where God's hand has moved so many times that there's no way I could say God doesn't take care of his kids. I mean, so many times, especially, I mean, just a little bit of our testimony. When we first moved here, we were sitting there, and I mean, it was, what, three weeks out before we were supposed to move up? And so we're sitting there. We had been looking for a house forever, I mean, months. Could not find anything. We're starting to really get worried. And so we talked to Pastor Martin Ashley. Pastor Martin Ashley said, hey, you know what? If you guys can't come, you can't move, whatever, we'll move you into our house. You can put your stuff in storage, move there. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to store my stuff. I got two girls. I want them to have bedrooms. I said, Lord, you're going to take care of us. Well, we get the month of the move. We're now into July. And if we are sitting there going, Lord, where are we going to live? We need it for this amount of money. We need this much room. We need this much space. I would like to have a yard. I'd really like to have a yard, Lord. And so we just believed that he was going to take care of us. And then three months before our move date, all of a sudden, Pastor Ashley's sister gets a phone call from one of her friends who lives in Valdosta. And he says, hey, I just decided my son now lives in Gainesville with his mom. I'm going to be moving down there, so I'm going to put my house up for rent. So she texts Pastor Ashley, and then she was like, hey, I'm sending you this guy's number. I don't even know what the house is, how big it is, what it is. Call the guy. So I called him. I said, hey, my name's Caleb Clay. I'm going to be moving up. I said, I'm with Anchor Faith Church. You heard you had a house. And he was like, wow, that was fast. I said, well, I heard you had a house, and I really want to jump on it. I said, can you give me some information? He said, yeah. <clears throat> he said, it's a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a two-car garage on a half an acre. I said, Perfect. Sounds awesome. He goes, he's got the master bedroom. He's got all this stuff. He's explaining everything. I was like, that's exactly what we've been praying for. That's what we've been leaving for. I said, all right, now let me ask you this question. How much do you want to rent it for? And whenever he gave me the number, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I found our house. I said, we found it. He goes, well, would you like to come looking at it? I said, yeah, actually, we had a trip planned for tomorrow. Can I look at it then? He goes, uh, this was on Monday. He said, uh, how about Wednesday? I said, Wednesday's great. I'll be there for service anyway. So I said, we'll, we'll handle that. So we literally walked in the house, walked around, said, perfect, we'll take it. Next week, signed the, signed the lease on it. Week after, moved in. Some people might say that's too close of a time frame, but for me, I said, Lord, you had us covered the whole time. You knew exactly what we needed, but we had to get our eyes fixed on you, not on our circumstances. Because if we were looking at it, Man, if we got fixed on just what we saw, we would have a hard time. But that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Because we realize that when we follow God, he takes care of us. 
every single time. And so <clears throat> whenever we're dealing with people, we realize that it's not about me. God's got me taken care of. And then we can now fix our focus onto who's around me. What's, what's the needs? And especially when we broaden our view, we can really get past just the church body. Because obviously we want to take care of everybody. That's what the church was designed for, is unity of the body, is that we are here for every one of you. And so when we finally realize that the church is even taken care of, we can now look into our city. And that's why I love whenever Pastor Mark announced at the beginning of the year, we're going to be changing it up. And we're going to be helping out with some outreaches, helping out with some different events. And we were able to help out with two of them so far. We had this organization called Valdosta One Lunch that came in. And what they do is they pack up bags for the children in need, and they go out and distribute food. And we actually have a family here because of that event. And so, but whenever we got to see that happen, we had so so many people from the body show up just willing to lend a hand that me and Pastor Mark could step back and we were like, wow, this is awesome. This is the body not focusing on, oh, I'm losing another night. I'm not going to be able to spend this night with my family. But we had people bringing their kids with them and saying, we're all going to go serve God together and spend this time. And then we also had one with uh, options now. We had all those baby bottles. Everybody remember those? Well, we were able to fill every baby bottle that we got. Whenever we had the whole bucket left, we had so many people just give beyond themselves to fill up these things. And that's whenever we see the body really focusing on, it's not about me. God has me covered. Now I want to give to someone else. I want to focus on somebody else. So everybody say with me, say, it's not about me. It's about others. And so once we finally recognize that God cares so deeply for people, we'll have his eyes to see them. Whenever we see somebody walking down the street, we, won't know, we will no longer see them on their outward appearance. But we will see them by there's a purpose assigned to that person. What do we need to do to pull it out? And so I got a few more scriptures, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. It was not a long message. I know on the children's side they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, you're already done. Yes, it's, it's wrapping up. It's very simple because – what I want you guys to leave with is knowing that it's not about me. God has us covered. We need to know that. I mean, we need to know that without a shadow of a doubt that God has us covered. No matter what situation it is, no matter what health challenges, financial challenges, God can take us through those. And I say take us through those because he's not going to just deliver us from the trial. We go through trials to test us and to grow in areas because especially with school, when you learn, you have a test at the end to find out how much you learned how much you know and so for us when we go in these tests and trials we rejoice and we count it all joy because we know we will make it through this test and when we make it through it we will be a better person and be beyond it and be above where we were at before so um let's look at a couple other scriptures I love this one. Let's go to uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. You guys doing good? You awake? Everybody doing good? Wake up. Kids normally I just go stand over on top of them, just look down at them, talk really loud, and they wake up. Normally we're still. But we're going to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. And this is just showing more of it's not about what we see on the outside. 
because obviously God sees something different than us. So it says, but then the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his height of his stature. It says, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so whenever we're viewing people, I just really stress this and really want us to grab hold of this, that it's not about what we see. It's about what God sees. And when we finally lose our sight of seeing somebody in front of us, looking at their outward appearance, maybe how they dress, how they act, it's not about that. God sees the heart of the man inside. That's why whenever Samuel is going to pick the next king for Israel, he's going through looking, and Jesse has all these sons, and he lines them all up. And the one that they forgot, that they said, he's not important, he's in the, he's in the field with the sheep. They said, here's a good pick. Look at all these. And so he goes through all of them and said, Lord has not picked any of these. Do you have any more sons? And he said, yeah, we got one. And he said, we will not sit down until he comes. And so he recognized, and he had to learn himself, Samuel had to learn that God is not viewing what we see. If we would look at some people, I mean, there's some people that you might look at, and even especially when it happens to kids a lot, when I hear people talking about kids, I'm very sad when I hear them talking negative about them because they are at such a young age that they can grow up to be something great. But it all depends on how they're raised because what we're setting inside of them is forming their belief systems. It's forming the foundation that they will stand on for the rest of their life inside of them. It's not on the outside. The outside appearance of them changes all the time. I mean, Jada went from being like this big to like this big, and it felt like overnight. But inside, you can tell a difference whenever you speak to her. Whenever I speak to my daughter, I can tell a maturity has already taken place in the Word of God. And so when it comes to us, we want to make sure that when we're speaking, we're not speaking to just their outward appearance. We're speaking to something inside, to you have a purpose. God has given you a destiny. That's why my parents never told me you can be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. My parents never told me that. They said, you have to be what God has called you to be. There's no other option because where God has called you to be, that is where all the provision, the safety, everything that you will need will be there. So they said, if you decide to go against God, though, we can't help you. I mean, that's going to be going against God's word. You know better. So especially whenever I had these great plans, move to Colorado, have this farm out there, have a bunch of cattle and horses and all this stuff. And I was thinking, yes, this is going to be awesome. And then the Lord said, nope, that's not what I have for you. I said, oh, man. He said, I need you to move down to Florida, St. Augustine, Florida. Everybody else in my family was like, whoa, we're going to the beach. I'm thinking, we're going to the beach. No, I want mountains. So I said, can I take my horse? Because I had a horse back then. And they said, absolutely. Well, for me, I was focused on myself, what I wanted. But God had a way bigger plan in store for me than what I could ever imagine. And if he would have shown me the plan back then, I probably would have just curled up in the fetal position and just cried because I couldn't handle it. But he knows how much we can handle and what he has in store for us. So when we're sitting there and they say, all right, we're going. I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord, it better be you. This better be you. And so my parents finally gave me the decision. They said, you have to choose, though. We're not going to make you. You're about to be 18. You decide if you go or stay. But we will tell you this. You better follow God. I said, okay. Well, I got my answer very quickly. The Lord said, you're going. 
beach. I hate the sand. Don't like the hotness. I'm, I just want mountains, breezes, awesomeness. That would be great. And so he said, all right, you're going. Well, I went. I did not know what I was about to get into, but the Lord had it all planned out. He had already set in motion things that were crucial for my purpose. The first one, whenever I got hooked up with Pastor Earl in the ministry down in St. Augustine, one, the children's pastor at that time was Pastor Mark and Ashley Brady. And so I had served with children since I was 11 years old, so I said, all right, I knew what to do. I called him and I said, I was 17 years old at the time, called him and said, hey, I'm going to be moving down. I'm just letting you know that I want to come and be able to hook up underneath your leadership. And then I'm letting you know right now that whatever you ask of me, I will do because God has assigned me to here. He said, great, man. Got in, plugged in with them. If I would have known three, four, four years down the road, three years down the road, that I would be connected to them up here and actually being a children's pastor underneath their leadership, man, I would have been like, no, Lord, that's not, that's not the plan. But God knows exactly what he's doing. And we have to trust that, is that every time we are taking a step that it might be questionable, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And when we deal with people, we have to have that same mindset. If I would have known that my steps were going to help me get to a place where God could use me and use my voice to be able to minister to multiple people. I mean, it wasn't not even three weeks ago. It was three weeks ago. Pastor Mark gave me a phone call and he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm out of town again. And he was like, I'm taking Pastor Ashley on a little vacation. He goes, but I forgot. I was supposed to go pray at city council. Can you handle that for me? What? You want me to do what? He said, yeah, go pray in front of the mayor and all the councilmen. He goes, you got it. It's, it's no problem. What? You want what? I was like, okay. So I got on my little suit, walking in there. I'm like, how's it going? And then the mayor comes out. I'm like, Nice to meet you. It's great. Sit down. I'm just sitting there so nervous. And then the Lord finally said, why are you nervous? He said, I've been preparing you for stuff like this from the very get-go. That's why for today, when Pastor Mark said, hey, I need you to run with it, you can ask my wife. I was like, oh, I feel nauseous. I'm, I feel so nervous. She goes, you just need to go pray in tongues and just get with the Lord. She's like, you got this. I said, amen. So, but then I finally realized that God prepares us for things way in advance. And we have to realize he has got us covered. Now we get to, in turn, go and help someone else. Because if it wouldn't have been for all my pastors that I've had in my back, I mean, past life, everything else, growing up and investing into me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But just think, who can we now look at and go into invest in them so that way they can have the same result we do? I mean, when we finally get off of ourselves. And finally start focusing on, it's not about me, but it's about someone else. We can change someone's life. Even just doing a simple phone call, hey, how are you? We miss you at church. You don't know how much that can impact somebody's life. And it takes us taking our time and saying, I give it to someone else. And that's the biggest thing is so many people want to hold on to the time. But Jesus, thank God, he did not say, this is my time. This, I don't know. That cross, it's going to end my time. I'm not going to do it. No, he said, I freely give. He said, Lord, if this your will? He said, I'll do it. He said, let your will be done. And he did. And because of that, now we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Praise God that he did not say it's about me. He said it's about others' lives. And so, Chase, if you can come on up. But 
the biggest thing that we need to focus on is that when we're dealing with other individuals, they might not receive right off the bat. But that's why we plant the seed, we water it, and it's God who gets the increase. You might not be the one watering it. Because it, it was Apollos planted the seed, I watered, God gets the increase. Because the biggest thing is that every little action we do, even just telling somebody good morning at your work, you don't know how much that could change their day. And you just finally recognizing that it's not just me in this box, but it's about others around me. And that's one of the biggest things, too, is whenever we're walking around, there's been multiple times where we've gone on little hiking sprees and stuff, is you can get so focused on yourself and where you're walking that you spend a lot of time doing this, walking around, making sure you're not going to step on something, but you miss out on all that's around you. Because there's so many times where we can be in the most beautiful environments, see the most incredible things, but we're spending all of our time like this. Well, how many do you? Know, I mean, how many of us know that when you get in some, some trials and tribulation, you don't spend a lot of time like this. You spend a lot of time like this, going, "What are we going to do? How are we going to afford this? What are we going to do, God? We need help." But when we finally get off of ourselves and say, "God, I trust you, and I know you have me covered." What can I do to somebody else? What can I do for someone else? Does somebody need a meal? Is somebody in a hospital that they need to go be visited? What What is it that you need? When we finally start looking for it, but the thing about it is I, I laugh about this because it's hard to find something to do for somebody else. It's so much easier for us to just worry about ourselves and just handle that. It takes work to find out, hey, how are you doing? You doing good? You want to go to lunch? I want to buy you lunch today. It's hard when we have to go out and ask and find out. But it's so much easier for us to do this. But God never designed us to be focused on ourselves. He said, I have you covered. Now it's time for you to go out and go do what Jesus was doing in the first place. Go find those ones that are off of the highway, that are down in the gutters and in the ruts and everything else, that are down on life. Go tell them about my kingdom. Because my kingdom is what gives them life. My kingdom is what restores things. It breaks off bondage. I mean, there's so many addicts out there that are looking for the answer. And they're trying all these different step processes. They're trying everything else. But they don't realize that the one true answer that they need is the kingdom of God. It's when lordship truly takes place in our life, we no longer look at ourselves. When we say, God, I surrender everything I am to you, that you are my Lord. Lord is not just a religious term. It is a government term. It says Lord is the supreme in authority. I mean, when we finally recognize that, God, you are Lord. Whatever you ask, my time is not my time anymore. It is now your time. My finances are not my finances. They're yours. You have your way with it. And so for us today, I'm going to pray over all of us this morning. But I want us to recognize that it's not about me. It's about others' lives. Because there's something way greater out there waiting for us to take place when we finally recognize God has me covered. Now I can go help somebody else realize the same thing I have. And that's what we want to do this morning. Amen. All right, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. That, Lord, your word is alive and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the hearts of everyone here. That, Father, this word will not be like one of the other three. But, Father, it will fall on good ground. 
that will produce a great amount of fruit, Father. Lord, help us to get our eyes off of ourselves. That, Father, you have us taken care of. That, Lord, every need that we have, you meet. Father, every sickness that we have coming across our body, Father, you are our healer. And that, Father, let us rely on you and trust in you that, Father, you are the God of our everything, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we can continue to not look down, but, Father, look up, walk by faith, and see those people that are walking around us, Father. Help us to see people the way that you see them, Lord, that they have a purpose and a destiny that is assigned to their life, Father. And help us continue to pull things out of these individuals, Lord, that if they feel like they're purposeless in this faith, place today, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you stir up inside of them a greater desire to follow you, Father, for you have the plan and the purpose that is far greater than anything they could ever imagine. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing in Valdosta and the surrounding counties and cities, Father, Lord, that you are impacting this nation for the kingdom of God. And Father, we are so thankful we get to be your hands and your feet in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the rest of this day. That, Father, we declare a blessing over this day. That, Father, when people go out, they recognize that they are a child of God. And that, Father, Lord, that they are the head and not the tail. And that, Father, that blessings follow them everywhere that they go. We thank you, Father, for this time together. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.